I'd like to welcome our sponsor, Form Assembly. Form Assembly's all-in-one web form platform lets you create forms for just about any use case, from contact forms to donation forms, all while taking advantage of useful features such as notifications, e-signatures, and more. Not only that, but you can also connect data to systems you already use. Form Assembly integrates with Salesforce, Pardot, PayPal, and many other common solutions. You can find out how Form Assemblies help Salesforce customers optimize their data connection in a free ebook that we've linked in today's show notes. Whatever your data collection needs are, you can be sure that Form Assembly keeps your data secure with encryption at rest and in transit on all plans, plus compliance with GDPR, CCPA, and more regulations. At the end of the day, Form Assembly helps you save time, money, and effort while getting the maximum benefit out of the data you collect. And I'd remind you, when you support our sponsors, you support the show. Hey, everybody! This is Xi Xiao. This is yet a new Salesforce Way podcast episode. Today, I'm sitting with a technical architect. His name's Kid Yansen. Hello, Kid. Hi. Good evening. Yeah, welcome to the show. So, would you like to introduce yourself before we start? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, Kit Jansen. I've been working with uh, Salesforce for about four years now, and I currently work as a technical architect at Capgemini in uh, Utrecht. And uh, before that, I uh, worked for two different uh, smaller partners. Uh, I initially started out on a skilled service desk as a bit of an uh, admin role. And from there, I moved up to technical consultants, and from there on to technical architects. I'm uh, 18 times uh, certified, and I've been preparing for the uh, CTA review board for about a year and a half now. Hmm. That's exactly the reason I invited you to talk about this topic, <laughs> which is to prepare for the CTA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just before we jump into the topic, I still want to make a plug. It is to share your YouTube video um, uh, presentation you made. Is to talk about how to prepare for Salesforce certifications, right? Yeah, you shared a lot how you did it and uh, your own experience. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I gave the same presentation uh, three times: once for the Amsterdam uh, admin user group, once for women in tech, and uh, also last year on the. Uh, What's called again the Salesforce World Tour in uh, Amsterdam, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, what I basically presented is my take on doing Salesforce certification exams, because mm-hmm. I'm actually a university dropout, and back at university I found that the conventional ways of studying don't really work that well for me. Uh, just mm-hmm. uh, sitting behind a book or uh, sitting in lectures all day, that doesn't really do it for me. Uh, but with Salesforce certifications, there's so much more resource out there, so much more material, and also of different kinds. So you have still have the classroom uh, courses, uh, which are similar to a lecture, of course. But then you also have uh, video courses, you have interactive courses, there's Trailhead, which is a great resource. Uh, and then you also have the documentation, of course, and uh, resources mm-hmm. that you still have to read. But by combining those, it can be... Uh, you can tailor it much more to your style or the way you study. 
So it's not just mm. one way to do it. There's many ways to do it, and you can all do it at your own speed. So I've had months mm. at a time where I didn't do anything in terms of uh, certifications or uh, studying for exams. And then I have periods where in a very short uh, period of time, uh, only a few months, I did uh, five, six, uh, seven certifications, uh, sometimes even uh, more than one in one weekend. But you can you can really do it at your own speeds, uh, whichever way you like it, and that makes a bit big difference for me. And that's mm -hmm. what I wanted to share in those presentations to make sure that everyone knows that you don't have to study in the conventional way. You can do it mm -hmm. at your own speeds and in your own way. That's cool. That's the reason I will put this uh, video link to our show notes just for our listeners to check. And. Uh, our topic is for the CTA exam, which is a little bit different from the regular Salesforce certifications, right? Yeah, definitely. You mentioned you are 18 certified, and now you are preparing for the CTA exams. Am I right? Yeah, that's correct. How can you be eligible to take the CTA exams? What are the prerequisites? So there are two uh, uh, pillars in the architect pyramid. So I think the pyramid is quite well known. And at the top, of course, you have the CTA review board uh, exam. Uh, but to be eligible for the review board, you need two other certifications. And those are application architects and system architects. Uh, mm -hmm. But in order to get those, uh, you don't have an exam for uh, these certifications themselves. But rather, you pass them by uh, passing a few other certifications. So for the application architect pyramid uh, pillar, you have uh, data architecture, uh, sharing architecture, and platform developer one as the required components. There's also a few optional ones, uh, one for uh, B2C architects and one for community clouds. Uh, and then on the other side is system architecture. And there you have uh, the development lifecycle and deployment designer. You have identity mm -hmm. and access management designer and integration architecture and also Platform Developer 1. So Platform Developer 1 is shared by both sides of the of the pyramid. And okay. once you have passed all those required designer exams plus the Platform Developer 1, then you have System Architect and Application Architect, and that makes you eligible for the review board. But I wouldn't say it prepares you for the review board quite yet. It's, it's a good start. It's a knowledge end. But there the preparation really starts to... Um, yeah, get your mind ready for the, the whole review board process. Mm. So that's like a marathon. You get at the uh, starting line, but there's a long preparation, yeah, time definitely. and effort that you need to do. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people around me that they have finished like 18 or, or even 20 certificates, but they haven't really have the mindset to start preparing for the CTAs, either because they think it's a lot of effort or they just don't have the courage, let's say, <laughs> to really start doing that. So could you share a bit your experience? When should I start preparing for, for it, even if I have already have all the certifications uh, prerequisites finished? Uh, yeah, I'd say right after. So if you already have all the uh, prerequisites, uh, then mm -hmm. I would say start preparing for the review board, but don't think that it's uh, a one or two month preparation. It's, it takes quite a bit of experience, but not only that, you really need to prepare for the review board itself as well. And that's mm -hmm. uh, uh, the toughest parts I'd say are the uh, the thinking speed. 
in this uh, very short uh, period of time to uh, come up with your solution and to uh, present it. And that's the mm-hmm. that's actually the most difficult part. And the other one is the offline part. So, of course, you have a lot of readily available knowledge uh, when you've been working as an architect uh, for a few years with Salesforce. Uh, but even I look up quite a few things uh, in my uh, day-to-day work uh, to see uh, how was it again, uh, just for quick confirmation. But the review board is completely offline, so you you don't have any resource available. It's all top of your head, uh, top of mind knowledge, and that makes a Are big you difference. To use the network? No, nothing you at all. Google. You can't Google okay. anything, so. So you're locked in the room. You're locked you in. Yeah, and you have to. Everything that you have is top of mind. Mm-hmm. You can't look up anything, and that makes a big difference because uh, the devil's in the details, of course. And sometimes a very minor thing uh, can make a big difference. And if you okay. if you have that detail wrong uh, from top of mind, you cannot verify it, you cannot check it, then your whole solution uh, yeah, might mm. change, uh, might fail. So that's, that makes it much more difficult uh, than uh, your day-to-day work as an architect uh, to come up with a solution. And of, course, and of course, with the normal certification exams, you also don't have any... Uh, resource available to check anything mm-hmm. but uh, those are a lot smaller <laughs> there's a, a lot fewer topics uh, you have to know things about mm. okay but uh, how about people's background the students who are going to the cdas for example i'm a, a programmer i might have more experience in coding parts and you from the admin row, you grow up from the admin row, you might know more the declarative and automation tools. So for these two types of people, even other consultants, uh, are we preparing from the different angles? Should more focus on different things? Uh, I say the easiest way to prepare is from the consultant's uh, direction. Um, uh-huh. From what I've heard from the CTAs uh, that I've spoken mm-hmm. to, uh, I've also been to the CTA 601 course uh, last year in July. And what I've seen is that the review board is quite business-centric. It's uh, uh, requirements-driven, business-driven. So the name might be Certified Technical Architect, but to be honest, it's not that technical. The business is the focus, and you have to uh, relate every solution to the requirements and and make sure that the requirements are solved. So it's not about what you think is uh, the best solution uh, mm-hmm. based on experience uh, for a particular customer. It's solving the requirements that they have. So you have to make oh. sure that you solve the requirements. And that's really a consultancy skill, I see. It's, uh, mm. it's a bit of change management uh, in there. It's a solution design on a functional level. So uh, mm. that's quite a bit of system agnostic uh, parts in there as well. Uh, there's the whole governance and uh, project uh, methodologies, such as uh, Scrum, uh, SAFE, Nexus, uh, DID, LESS. Uh, so there's, and of course, the still the waterfall, which you don't see that often. But you also have to know a lot about those topics, and those are typically uh, what you see in a consulting role. And mm-hmm. for admins, they might get more exposure to the uh, uh, the setup, to the declarative automation tools. And as a developer, you have, of course, much more exposure to the coding parts of Salesforce, uh, whether it be Apex mm. or 
uh, lighting web components or still the other aura components or even visual force uh, and maybe a roku as well but it's the consulting side that it's uh, easiest to grow from towards architect and you still have to know about the decorative automation of course about the admin stuff and about uh, all the coding uh, stuff from uh, the developer role but mm. i'd say that the depth of level of knowledge you need in those areas is easier to learn as a consultant than to learn the consulting skills required as an admin or developer okay this is a, a new information for me i've never heard this before okay thanks for sharing <laughs> yeah you're welcome how about uh, people from different size of companies? So they are small, medium, or large corporations, you know, working in those companies, and also different type of companies, right? Like you mentioned, a consulting company or ISV company who just create the managed packages, or even in the customer who are using the orgs. So, do you see different things from from the, those angles? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's also one of the reasons why I switched recently to uh, Capgemini. Because I started out at a small partner, only uh, about 20 employees. Uh, then afterwards, another uh, smaller uh, consulting partner, also around 20, 25 people. And now recently switched to Capgemini. Um, the small partners are great for breadth, uh, for developing your skills in a lot of different areas. So you get the admin uh, skills, the consulting skills, the development skills, architecture, because there's not that much role separation. There's often just two or three people or sometimes even one on a project. So uh, it's not like you have a separate uh, project manager or, or scrum master or whatever and um, separate developers, separate architects, separate consultants. It's all bundled in one or two or maybe three people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to uh, possess all those skills basically and uh, develop in all those areas. So that's great to get a get a starting point on all those things. But in the end, you won't see the level of architecture in many cases required to prepare yourself for technical architects. Uh, for that, you really need the, the larger projects that you, in most cases, only see with the much larger consulting partners. Uh, so for me, it was a good start to, uh, a good way to prepare to start a small company and then move to a bigger one. Okay. Uh because if you start out in a much larger one like Gemini, then uh, you might run into the problem that you only develop in one area and mm. don't get enough exposure to uh, the other ones. Because if you start as a consultant uh, or developer there, then you will only do consultancy or only development in most cases. Mm. So it's, it's the mix that works, at least for me, but that mm. might be different for others. Yeah. Because in the past, I talked with uh, Jitendra Char mm-hmm. and uh, Stephen Herod. Um, so they are sharing the same kind of uh, knowledge and uh, uh, experience to me is that uh, when they worked in Accenture or worked in the Blue Wolf, so they have really large size customers globally. That makes them having the unique hands-on experience to design really large-scale applications for millions and millions of customers. So I think they also mentioned that those things are really unique and uh, you only get the chance to touch those large projects in the big firms. Yeah, yeah, that's what I see too. But you also see uh, CTAs, uh, a lot of at Salesforce. Actually, most CTAs are at Salesforce and also 
uh, obtained their certificates at Salesforce. Uh, and then, of course, you have the large consulting partners, a few at the smaller partners and at ISV partners, and there's also CTAs at the customers, where uh, someone obtained a CTA certificate and end customer. Okay, I so see. so all are possible. But I think it's not that much about the organization you're in, but more about the kind of implementation you're doing, the project you're running. So if you if you have the project uh, requirements at a end customer and you're an internal architect there, then it will still mm -hmm. work. Okay. I heard a lot of times you mentioned the review board for the CTA, but I still don't get the full process and the content of the exam. Could you just brief me what those things are? Yeah. Yeah. So we discussed the, the pyramid where you become mm -hmm. eligible with system architects and application architects. And after that, you have a few uh, uh, interviews with Salesforce uh, to determine if you're ready. And once they uh, give you the go and give you a review board date, then you go for the review board. And the review board is um, uh, half a working day, so it's either the morning or the afternoon. And in those four hours, you get two hours of preparation. And in those two hours, you uh, read through the scenario, which is around uh, uh, around 10 pages, something like that. Uh, it's pretty much like an RFP. And it gives you all the requirements that the customer uh, wants to have solved and some uh, some context uh, also about the business and uh, how they uh, they run their business. And based on that, you have to design your solution in those two hours, but also come up with a way to present it. So you have to have your own format uh, of how to prepare uh, and how to present your solution. And you have to do it in those two hours. They get a 10-minute break. And during the break time, the uh, proctor will um, uh, hang up all your presentation material in the room because you get a, a flip over chart. And you do have an offline laptop with Word, Excel, and PowerPoints. So you could make a PowerPoint presentation, but yeah, we've all done that before, of course, uh, millions of times, screen PowerPoint presentations, and you should probably know as well that it can take a lot of time just, just to create a PowerPoint, and you don't have that time. All the time yeah. goes into uh, making the solution and coming up with how to solve the requirements. So you really don't have the time to make a fancy PowerPoint. And in many cases, you see that all the material used for presenting is uh, hand-drawn on the on the flip chart so uh, in the 10 minute break the proctor hangs up all your presentation material and they have a 45 minute presentation uh, which from what i've been told by the ctas who've done it is really a monologue you have uh, three ctas being the judges and they just stare at you blankly poker face and you get no response from them whatsoever so it's a 45 minute monologue of uh, you presenting your solution but you have to keep track of the, uh, you do have a, a clock to keep track of the time, but the time management and the topics you cover is really on you. So the idea is that you really do need to fill that time because it's uh, it's bad if you don't use all the time because there's always plenty to, to, to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, and you really have to make sure that you cover all the topics uh, that are uh, required because the judges can decide for themselves in the Q&A part what they're going to ask you about. And if uh, if you haven't uh, adequately covered one of the topics 
uh, that you should cover in your presentation and the judges decide for whatever reason not to ask you about it, then you failed that topic and then you automatically fail the exam. And then you have another 10 minutes uh, break after your presentation and then there's 40 minutes of Q&A. And the Q&A, the judges will focus mostly on your uh, solution, but they can also ask you questions about architecture in general uh, to get a good idea of your uh, of your knowledge. So uh, from what the CTAs have told me, the presentation is really on you. They won't help you whatsoever because it's, it's a monologue. No response from them. And then in the Q&A part, they really try to help you by... Um, uh, yeah, pushing you in a direction to 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 make you realize you've uh, made a mistake, but without leading questioning. It will always be open questions, but if you get multiple questions on the same topic, you should realize I've probably made a mistake somewhere, and I need to fix it. So they do need to they do try to push you uh, yeah towards realizing that you need to fix something. And important is in the whole review board process, it's always about taking uh, things into consideration because you have to make assumptions. It's not that the scenario you get, the RFP-like document is full. There's always things missing that you do need for your uh, for your solution. So you have to make mm -hmm. assumptions on what the customer most likely wants based on uh, their on your experience. And then you have to present those assumptions as well and use them in your solutioning. And you mm. you take them into account uh, in your answering, but it's always uh, one option you go for. Uh, so you say, for instance, uh, based on assumption A and requirement B, I uh, give you this solution, but uh, if the assumption changes, then it might be this or that solution. But you always go for one solution. It's not like, well, A would work, but B would also work. So you can pick either. You always have to make a decision for one solution, and that's the one you go for, and that's the one you're judged on. Uh, but you do need to present the considerations. Uh, like, if it's this, then you should go over here for this solution. But if it's that, mm. you should go for that solution. This is a heavy process. Yeah. I mean, even listening to you just mentioned it's already heavy and not to say go into the review board so let me just quickly recap to make sure i get the information also for our listeners is that uh, at the beginning you are presented with the ifp kind of documentation yeah. 10 page content and then you're locked into a room for two hours you in that room you don't have any network access you don't get any oh. help you just have your pen and paper to, to write down maybe draft your design based on the information and your assumptions yeah yeah and the offline laptop of course okay yeah and then you have 40 to 45 minutes for the presentation in whatever way you want to do right 45 45 minutes 45 minutes yeah. and then there are the ctas who already get the CDA certificates, they are there to listen to your presentation. They don't give uh, you any feedback or something. Yeah, yeah. They, the three judges are all CTA, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not like every CTA can be a judge. There's a separate um, uh, process to become a judge for CTA. Oh, okay. I see, I see. Okay. And then after that, you have a short break, and then you get the Q&A. Yeah. They will give you questions. But... The, 
after the Q&A, are you allowed to review and adjust your design based on the feedback? No, no the, the changes in your design are mm-hmm. during, during your presentation and during the Q&A. So if uh, just during your presentation, you already realize yourself, oh, I've made mm-hmm. a mistake or I've missed something, you can edit, you can edit it in your presentation and mm-hmm. present it right away. Uh, if you find something uh, based on the questions you've been asked during Q&A that you made a mistake, you can also fix it during the Q&A, but mm-hmm. the exam really ends at the end of the Q&A. So after the 40 minutes Q&A, it's over and you cannot make any more changes. So it's really okay. dur- during the Q&A that you have to do it. And that's the time you hands off and you leave the place. Yeah. And uh, after a couple of weeks, you get the answer yes or no. Yeah, I think it's about two to three weeks, and I've heard those weeks are agonizing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a long process. Okay, at least they get the idea how heavy, how complicated it is. Yeah. So it's not just for a technical architect, as the name says. It has a communication, you know, you have the pressure there, you have the timing, you have to the, make the presentation, you need to listen to the people for the Q&A, right? They're, yeah. All sorts of skills are tested. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, it's also what makes it so difficult because the exam has been around for, I think, around 11 years, 12 years or something. Mm-hmm. And there's just over 300 CTAs now globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's about 27, 26 per year average. Uh, yeah. That gives you a rough idea. But yeah. there's thousands of people who have tried it. So the, the passing rate is really low. I yeah. think they have improved it a bit by... Uh, uh, yeah, making the prerequisites more difficult. Because mm-hmm. when I started out with Salesforce uh, four years ago, it was just mm-hmm. before the pyramid was introduced. And back then, you only needed admin. If you have had the admin, the 201 certificate, you could already go for the review board. And that's... <laughs> and uh, the, <laughs> Of course, the review board wasn't just the review board back then. There was uh, one mm-hmm. architect test uh, before that uh, uh-huh. to... Uh, Make sure that you are prepared for it. But if you pass, if you have admin, you could already sign up for the whole review board process. You get the uh, admin uh, exam yeah. uh, online, which mm-hmm. was uh, like the the normal uh, certification exams, and then you had the review board. But now they have now the pyramid, of course, and they've uh, uh, added the interviews. Uh, so you have uh, two interviews after you uh, uh, lock your case to mm-hmm. sign up for the review board uh, t- yeah, to make sure that they, um, yeah, they they feel you're prepared to make sure yeah. that you're not wasting your own time, not wasting the judge's time because there are not that many slots uh, every year. And a lot of people want to do it. Hmm. Okay. So after hearing all these stories, let's say, I'm so ready to go for the CTA exams, but I need help, right? I need to know how to study. I don't think there's a trailhead about CTA anymore. <laughs> I there, there I is, make... but it's not. Oh, in, really? It's not in the regular trailhead. It's in the trail mixes. Okay. So okay. for the uh, for all designer certifications, uh, so data architecture, sharing, uh, mm-hmm. integration, etc., uh, they each have their own trail mix, and all of them are quite long. I think around. 40 to 50 hours and uh-huh. and then there's the a full cta trail mix that i think is well over 200 hours and it has the content from the designer certifications but also a few other ones that are 
um, yeah, kind of making it one thing, making it whole. So it's not just the, the technical skills of, uh, of the designer certificates, but also mm-hmm. all the other things you need to know about. But okay. still the knowledge part, still the, yeah, the things you need to know. It's not the, the skills and the experience. So you also need the experience, of course, in an architect role. And then there's the, the presentation. Uh, you can do, I'm not sure what other languages are you can do CTA in. I think mm-hmm. uh, at least English, of course. And I think you can also do it in Japanese. Probably okay. probably Spanish. But I'm really not sure about all the languages you can do it in. But mm-hmm. you have to make sure that whatever language you go for, you're absolutely fluent in that. It has to be perfect. <laughs> because you don't, yeah. you don't want any misinterpretation uh, it has to okay. be very clear to the judges what you mean okay. and also uh, for instance uh, articulation and volume uh, I know articulation can be an issue for me uh, mm. especially when I'm presenting and I uh, get a bit uh, stressed and uh, stuff <laughs> uh, so you have to make sure that you're talking clearly and that they know what you're saying especially if you're mm. drawing on a whiteboard or something Yeah. Uh, so that can be a challenge and there's the yeah, the whole time pressure elements combined with presenting uh, with the complex solution so it all comes together. It's not just one thing that's difficult and stressful. It's all of them together. So you need to work on all of them. And also, Kid, I understand that you have created a CTA study group. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Uh, just after I passed my application architect and system architect about a year and a half ago, we had this, uh, this meetup uh, with the developer user group and it was called Demystifying uh, CTA. And we had four CTAs uh, discussing what the review board is like, uh, how you need to prepare, when you are prepared. Uh, and they also said, well, well, when you have application architect and system architect, you're not prepared yet. That's where it starts, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from there on, I found we need to do something because there's a lot of resources for the design certificates. And yeah, they're quite difficult exams, but they're they're very doable. If you prepare well for them, it's not that hard to pass. Uh, but after that, once you're application architect and system architect, it really stops. There's not that much out there to help you prepare for the review board itself. You have the knowledge part, of course, and you've covered that, but all the other things is is doing it. You can't really study for it. You really have to practice it. And for that, I found there's not nearly enough out there. Uh, so I... Uh, teamed up with a few other uh, uh, guys from uh, the Salesforce ecosystem here in the Netherlands, uh, Sergei Ehrlich and uh, Jorgi Saviljev. And together with them, I started this uh, study group, the CTA study group Benelux. And we contacted basically every architect we could find that was eligible or nearly eligible for the review board and asked them if they would be interested in um, yeah helping each other prepare by doing uh, mock review boards uh, by presenting about technical stop- topics, uh, by discussing the issues we run, run into in our day-to-day jobs, and really to help each other uh, raise our level of architect knowledge and help ourselves prepare for it. And I mentioned the presenting. Uh, back in December, we also did a present- presentation workshop together with this study group. Uh, because the the girlfriend of one of the members uh, happens to be a presentation coach and trainer. Uh, So I did this uh, presentation workshop to also focus on that and really on the presentation skills. Uh, And that's what makes it more easy because you really need 
people to work with who are also preparing for the same uh, for the same goal for the for the review board mm-hmm. uh, to do this preparation. You can't really do it on your own. Yeah, understand. All right, we have covered a lot. We covered uh, what the, the prerequisites and what are the process of the content of the CDA, and then how you are currently preparing for the CDA exams. Yeah, I see that you have spent a lot of time. It's been a year and a half past, right, since you yeah. get your. Yeah, I'm not nearly ready, ready yet. Yeah, I think <laughs> okay. I, I hope to do it sometime later this year, uh, mm-hmm. sometime second half, but not sure yet actually if that's, uh, I hope it's doable. I think it's doable, but there's still mm-hmm. a lot of preparation to do. Looking forward to that. You yeah. Know, it's always good that you improve every day and then at the end, no matter you get it or not, you already are far beyond where you were. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. Excellent, Kate. Thanks for coming to the show and sharing yeah, thank you. this topic. Thank yeah, you. Talk to you next time. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Bye.